everyone. I'm Nairi, your host and founder of the Avanti Woman. Welcome to our podcast. The Avanti Woman is a platform dedicated to empower, connect, and build women to move forward and thrive in healthcare, finance, entrepreneurship, and philanthropy. Today we have with us my dear friend, colleague, and co-host Sarah Chitak. Good morning. Good morning, Sarah. An inspiring young woman, nine-year-old entrepreneur and philanthropist, Angelina Demir. Hi, Angelina. Hello. Good to have you. And our lovely guest, Maro Matosian, Director of Women's Support Center in Yerevan, Armenia. Welcome, Maro. Thank you. Welcome. Very good. So, you know, from the inception of the idea for this platform, the Avanti Woman, philanthropy and giving was really what it all started with. I remember it was December 2018. And, you know, that is a time um, where magic happens for me. It's Christmas. It's the most beautiful time of the year. It's my favorite time of the year. And I believe that miracles happen when you really believe in them and expect them. So we had started the Avanti Woman and this, my spirit was, was moved and something was placed in my spirit to do something kind and good for a woman or maybe for a family of women and children that were in dire need. So I remember I prayed about it and I put the intention out there. And within three days, I received a letter from this wonderful woman. Her name was Susan Shear. She had cerebral palsy and was a paraplegic. Her letter asked me if I could be her guardian angel and bring her the miracle of quality of life. So, you know, Susan was uh, wheelchair bound and she was unable to move around and transport herself from and to her bed and back to her wheelchair. And so she ended up actually staying and sleeping in her wheelchair, being unable to move around throughout the day. And um, her and her husband in their 60s lived in a very small apartment with one bedroom, and they had a very rough life. So what she needed, she wanted us to help her get state-of-the-art equipment, an electric, ch electric chair and a lift chair to be able to give her that quality of life. She couldn't do it because it cost thousands and thousands of dollars. So I knew right away that this was the miracle that we had to be for Susan Shear. So I remember I reached out immediately to my friend, Sarah Chitak, and also to a good friend who always supports these causes, Ani Manukian. And uh, we created a GoFundMe campaign. And in three weeks, we actually had amazing women from the East Coast and West Coast put together their funds, and we raised the thousands of dollars needed to be Susan's Christmas miracle. And so this is how the Christmas Kindness Project was born. And I vowed that this will always remain the signature event under our philanthropic arm. So this past year, for our annual Christmas Kindness Project in 2020, unfortunately, we didn't have to search so much to find the need for that Christmas miracle. And um, our focus being women and children, the need, the calling, it was everywhere. It was in front of us. It was unavoidable. It was heartbreaking. It was unescapable. I mean, I have no words to describe how immense that need was. And um, we quickly knew that we had to act. 
And again, with Sarah's help, we found and partnered with a credible nonprofit organization on the ground to carry out our good deeds and our good and our goal of kindness. Now, I don't want to tell you myself what that need was. I want you guys to hear it from uh, Maro, who was there on the ground. But I will allow um, our guests to do it. But I, what I can tell you guys is that there is no exercise better for the heart than reaching down and lifting people up. It's a joy that is immeasurable. It's the most beautiful feeling you can ever experience. So with that, I'd like to welcome our amazing guest, Maro Matosian with the Women's Support Center in Yerevan, Armenia. Hi, Maro. How are you today? Hi, hi. <laughs> Very well, thank you. So good to have you here, Maro. Thank you for joining us from Yerevan, Armenia. So uh, please tell us about yourself a little bit and the Women's Support Center. Share with us when and how did you start Women's Support Center and why did you create a women's focused organization? Mm. Very interesting question because people do not really touch on the woman's part of the woman focus. Oh, that's all uh, we're going to be touching on today. <laughs> exactly. Very good. So uh, <clears throat> I moved to Armenia from the United States in 1991 with my family. And I worked for the Aznavur Foundation at the time as a country director. And then um, in 2000, my daughter wanted to study in the United States. So uh, we moved back to the United States and I was there for about uh, five, six years. And then when she went into college, um, I was all alone at home and I, you know, I got that itch. I said, I have to go back to Armenia. And um, uh, fortunately, I, um, I was hired by the Tufenkan Foundation. And I say fortunately because my parents were elderly, I had to go back and forth, and that that allowed me that opportunity to 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 travel um, back and forth to the United States. So uh, while I was working at the Finkan Foundation, um, they had a project for vulnerable families, and it turned out that forty percent of those families uh, were impoverished because of domestic violence. And uh, when our um, program uh, director, the uh, uh, director for development heard about this, he talked to other women organizations in the United States, uh, like uh, Armenian International Women's Association, IWA. Mm -hmm. And um, they joined forces with USAID and Tufankam Foundation to start the Women's Support Center. And uh, initially, it was run by another organization in 2010, and I was overseeing it. But somehow, I had this feeling that we're not doing the right thing. Mm -hmm. So I went back to the United States, and I was uh, trained there by a local uh, domestic violence center. And I cleaned the shelf of the library with all the books possible. I I, you know, contacted people who work in the field, uh, bought more books from Amazon. I was trained thoroughly. And then also we invited people from the diaspora from Los Angeles who worked with Armenians in domestic violence who are professionals in this and trained our team. And then I decided that I should move away from the Fenkan Foundation 
and really focus on the Women's Support Center. And I registered that as a local NGO in Armenia. And from then on, we started working. And in 2012, we opened our first shelter. And in 2019, we opened our second shelter. So, um, and we are the only ones operating um, in, in this field in a professional, based on international standards. I have to say that the government after 10 years, uh, this new government, I should mm -hmm. say, uh, recognized us and now um, has selected us as experts on the field. And we are training not only their staff, the ministry, we even training the monitoring group of the ministry. So um, it's step-by-step step progress, but we're coming a long way. And I have to say that the biggest satisfaction with my work is that we're really saving lives. And this is an amazing thing. And not only saving lives, but the women that we work with, with are being empowered. Mm -hmm. They are becoming stronger. Their um, self-esteem is being built and they're able to uh, reintegrate in society and live a life free of abuse, which is phenomenal. That's amazing. Yeah. More power to you, Maro. Thank you. And your team. That's that's phenomenal. Um, now, Maro, tell us the story of how this need for our Christmas Kindness Project arose. Um, what happened? I mean, you were and you've been on ground zero since day one. So take us there, share the stories with us. Let us feel and understand really how grand this need was. Yeah. So um, as you know, the, when the war started in September 27, uh, it was an ama amazing mobilization. And I wish it would have stayed that mobilization uh, till now. Uh, people were united. People were you know, really coming together and at the corner of the streets, they were collecting, everybody were emptying their homes, you know, um, quilts and pillows and sheets that were ripped into bandages and uh, preserves from home and, and rice and bulgur and whatever you have, bottles of water. Somebody was bringing just a pack of cigarettes because all that, that all he could afford. He said, you know, I, that's all I can, every day he was bringing a pack of cigarettes for the soldiers. So, you know, everybody was doing whatever they could. And um, uh, really overnight, I have to say, our support center, uh, we have uh, more of a space in our uh, office. It turned into a warehouse, literally a warehouse. Uh, we were fortunate that at that time, one of our donors was in Armenia and we went to the supermarket and we bought food for about $5,000. And then the Ministry of Emergency sent us a huge um, uh, trailer truck with donated clothes that they received from the diaspora. And we had to do the triage. And, you know, one room was closed for zero to five-year-old in another room was five or five-year-old to 10-year-old and then there were adults and everybody was doing the triage and people were starting to trickle in so where were they trickling in from so can, can you from tell that Karabakh. They were okay so this was started. a war okay yeah the war started 
um, unlike the first war in the 90s, there were, as you know, there was a, a lot of aerial bombardment. There was a lot of aerial attacks to the drones. And there was, there was complete panic among the population. And in a matter of uh, a week to 10 days, we had 90,000 people coming from Karabakh. 90,000 refugees 90, coming into Armenia from Nagorno-Karabakh. Yeah. yeah. And so, and, uh, Sarah, go ahead. I'm sorry. And Maro, um, and there were those 90,000 we're talking about, can you help us, mostly women and children or elderly? Yes, yes, yes absolutely. Women, children, elderly. The men were enlisted or volunteers in the war. So... Unlike, you know, I always make this comparison that unlike the earthquake when people, you know, it was in the Soviet times and they were literally on the streets, this time with the uh, amazing uh, network of hotels and hostels and, um, and, and resort centers, people were placed immediately into those uh, places. And, and because of COVID, they were really empty also. Mm -hmm. so, uh, so nobody was left on the street. Our uh, office became a center of distribution. So the ministry would call us. And there was another organization, Transparency International. They would call among all of us. And, um, and we were placing people. We would know where there are uh, rooms available. And a lot of people also welcomed in into their homes. Uh, families, which was amazing. So, um, uh, so really locals did, locals were opening their doors for absolutely. For, absolutely. Wow, that is amazing. Yeah, yeah, and and also uh, in the villages, some people had relatives, so they went to to those villages, and in those villages there were abandoned homes, people who moved to Russia or moved out of the village, and the mayors would open those door those houses and let people in to come in. So everybody was somehow placed in a home. And the next immediate thing that had to be taken care of was food and hygienic products. And I have to say that the people would come with the expectation that this would be another war of four or five days. And mm. nobody expected that it would be so long and nobody expected that uh, families would be left homeless because Azeris occupied part of the Kara of, of part of Karabakh. So I remember I had it was September, was warm, was like summer, and people would come into their summer clothes. Mm -hmm. And all of a sudden they were they were there with nothing. Uh, mm -hmm. just a shirt on their back, and um, we have to provide it, provide for them. So I want to mention, because it's very literally spoken about that. Um, two things very important. First of all, the local Armenian NGO, non-governmental organizations like mine, they really went into action. I cannot tell you, us women, women organizations, working 14, 16 hours a day, day after day after day. And we were the ones that uh, really provided the immediate emergency need to this family. And I was at a meeting at the ministry and I was shocked, absolutely shocked because there were large international organizations like World Vision, International Red Cross, Save the Children, <clears throat> uh, the, uh, UN, who, are, who were 
we, we, we literally said at the meeting, we are evaluating, we are doing needs assessment. Oh la la, by the time they send the money to, to give to distribute, these people would have died of hunger. It, yeah. it was well, us. I have a question. I'm sure. sorry. Um, and how hard was it to get those women to help? I have, I have my gut feeling, but I'd like to hear from you. <laughs> oh my God. I had to put, I had to send people home because of COVID, you know, we were packed. Volunteers would come to our office every day to do the triage and to prepare bags for the, for the refugees. So, so, um, you know, sometimes there was, it was so crowded the refugees coming in and with the children and everything and the volunteers and some and people not wearing masks, you know, uh, you know, I had to say, okay, enough, enough, you know, I, I don't need two more, more volunteers. So basically, Mato, you had a surplus of women, of really course. altruistic women, just, you know, volunteering and ready to go. Yeah. And, and I want to tell you that this is what it was in our office in the corner of the street, uh, in the corners of the streets, there were more women there doing triages, whatever people were living on the street. And there were very few young men because they were all volunteering for the, for the war. And this um, young woman was, we were all of us lifting boxes, carrying over. I mean, we were living on Advil because our backs were killing us. But um, but you know, you don't feel the, the tiredness, I guess the adrenaline yeah. is going. And yeah. um, uh, we, we really uh, continue to, to distribute. So, uh, so I, what I'm hearing from you, Maro, is that the yeah. need was so great, so grand that there was, you know, yeah, let other organizations do needs assessments, but the needs were right there in front of you and there was no time for assessment. You just had uh, to, to dive you, you in and give to, it. You need to go into action immediately. Share with us a little bit, um, just very quickly before we kind of continue. Um, you know, what part of the world are we talking about? Um, share with everybody what part of the world, what kind of terrain, you know, the, the, yeah, if, just very briefly. So, so Armenia is a, it's a small country of about almost three, three million people, and they are situated bordering, uh, it was a, part of a Soviet Union and now an independent state bordering Iran and Turkey and uh, Azerbaijan and Georgia. And Mara, maybe you can also kind of help explain, you know, the, the terrain, you know, we're talking about, are we talking about mountainous regions? Yes. Um, the difficulty in which people in that area live in and, and what does the winter mean to yeah. them? Yeah, well, uh, Karabakh is a beautiful mountainous region, very lush in its uh, nature. Um, uh, uh, high mountains. Great. So, you know, um, I remember when this war was happening back in um, September, October, I received a lot of emails from Armenia, from Arapal, um lists of families, women and children that needed our immediate support. They had been displaced with nowhere to go, homeless. You know, like you said, in the Caucasus Mountains, it was winter time, it was freezing cold, and these people had nowhere to go and needed our help. So obviously, we quickly began our fundraising campaign, but we needed to find a credible organization to partner with. And this is where Sarah came in 
And uh, Sarah, since you've been the catalyst to introduce the Avanti woman with the Women's Support Center, why don't you take it from here and tell us how did you know about Maro and her organization? Yeah, thank you, Nidi. Um, I actually belong to an amazing book club called Audience Book Club that was um, established 12 years ago with nine other wonderful women. We had two things in common. Uh, we all love to read books and we all focused and wanted to help women and children in various needs. And so each month we come together, we talk about the book, and then we also collect money among ourselves and we do some fundraising just among ourselves. And we decided to um, participate and fund various projects that would support women and children in various aspects. We've done microfinancing for entrepreneurial businesses for women. And we've also done various projects that would for with social and, and emotional impact, such as the knitting project. We found Maro and it was really a, a perfect marriage for us. She was what they say, boots on the ground and um, working directly with these women, um, anticipating their needs and um, making sure that the products and the goods that they needed reached them and it was a success. Um, I know Audience Book Club is overjoyed with, with the results of, of these programs. So really, Motto, thank you very much um, for all of the effort and the hard work because it really is very difficult to be boots on the ground all the way on the other side of the world. Yeah. So thank yeah. you. Yeah. I know, and, I know. I know it, that's you. a great difficulty, but it's, it's sometimes it's harder to find people with a good heart, believe me. It's what good I do hard, is not honest, like with yes. integrity. And you know, that's why Sarah is so grateful to you that you made this connection because it's easy for us to do the fundraising, but you know, everyone wants to know that the, the funds that you're raising are going where the true needs are. So Maro, having you and the organization so transparent, you know, you, you shared with us consistently what you guys were doing and so forth. So we're very grateful for this. And um, what I want to do now, actually, I want to um, announce how much the Avanti Woman Christmas Kindness Project raised. So um, we raised $12,250 to support the women and children displaced during the war. And we had over 40 individual donations from men and women uh, whom we are super, super grateful to. And I want to specifically highlight a few of the don donations. The first is uh, the Ram Bojwani Family Foundation. They donated $2,500. In fact, Mr. Ram Bojwani, when he heard of the need, he had no hesitation. And he momentarily said, Nairi, I'm pledging $2,500. Just tell me where it needs to go down the line. And he did. He implemented and he really carried his word through right away. So thank you, Mr. Bojwani, and thank you, Ram Bojwani Family Foundation. The next is Arin's Book Club, which you guys just heard about. Sarah is part of the book club, and they donated $1,000 immediately upon hearing of the Christmas Kindness Project and the dire need in Armenia. Thank you, Arin's Book Club. Uh, third, thank you. Third is the UC Irvine Armenian Alumni Association, led by its uh, president, Silva Karagosian. 
they not only made individual donations, but also highlighted the fundraiser on their social media campaigns and uh, platforms. Uh, thank you, UC Irvine. And finally, um, this is a very lovely, interesting, um, and for me, very dear to my heart introduction. We um, had a donation of $500 by a young entrepreneur and philanthropist, Angelina Demir. Hello, Angelina. She's here with us. First of all, Angelina, sweetheart, I want you to know how proud, impressed I am of the amazing work that you are doing at only nine years of age. I honestly cannot how believe did she what... collected that much money. Oh, I'm going to ask her that. I cannot, you know, I can't wait to see what you're going to do when you're 15, 20, 25, 30. My goodness, you're going to move mountains. So Angelina donated $500 that she actually raised through her entrepreneurial skills. So mm -hmm. I want to ask you, Angelina, first, tell us, what did you feel when you heard those stories, okay, during the war? And how did you come up with your business idea to make products and sell them to raise funds for these women and children that needed our help? Um, well, first, I want to say thank you for letting me join the podcast. You're and, welcome. Um, well, um, I heard some stories of children that did not have food or shelter. And I couldn't sleep at night knowing that I had a roof over my head, but these children did not have a home. And they didn't even know if their dads would come back from safely from the war, but I knew my dad was home safe with me. Um, I remember my mom told me a story of a 13 year old boy who drove his dad's car, to, um, 10 to 12 kids in it. Um, 200 kilometers to safety. Um, so I thought how I can help. I thought how I could help. Um, I had lots of these um, things called looms and and I love doing arts and crafts. So my teacher taught us about supply and demand. So I created a demand, a demand for my supply. And um, so I thought I could make bracelets, bookmarks, keychains, mask holders, and sell them and raise money for these women and children. Amazing, and, amazing. And I'm really happy I can help in that way. Wow, oh. wow. I, I have goosebumps head to toe, honestly. Yep, yep. Touch what my a heart. beautiful young soul. Wow. Angelina, we're all so proud of you. And your money, you know, Mato will share with us later. It went a long way to help these women and children. But, you know, I want to take a step back and give credit where it deserves to be given. And that's Sarah Yu. Oh. <laughs> yes. Not at I all. I mean, you, you, you've raised such an amazing young woman. And uh, credit needs to be given to you as a mother. So um, thank you so much for putting this, this amazing um, seed into your daughter's heart. And, you know, I have no doubt that she is going to do amazing things in life down the line. Thank you, Angelina. Thank you, Hokies. Thank you. Um, but I think it comes from the heart. And I think we all have a, every single one of us have a big heart. Yeah, yes, that's that's so important. When you have a heart and you have passion um, for the work that you do for other people to 
caring for other people that makes it all uh, it gives you that incentive to do more that's right. absolutely i agree you know i just want to share with you because uh, uh, angelina she's of young age uh, we went to visit a, a, a family and you know among all the needs and all the losses that they've suffered and everything else and injured they had an injured uh, son i believe or fa the father was injured i don't remember anymore but anyway so the little boy was about eight years old seven eight years old so we asked him you know so so what do you need what do you want and he said i want to watch <laughs> and watch you know and so um we 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 gave him one uh, next time we we visited him but you know it's it's th that is important it's important for children to feel that life goes on despite the tragedy despite the hardships and uh, we need to pull ourselves out of the situation and i have to give a lot of credit to the mothers because yeah. um not only many of them i saw on their faces the tragedy, the, the desperation, you know, when you, uh, the, the fear of the unknown, that you don't know where your home will be, what will happen, mm -hmm. um, how you will take care of the family, and yet they would pull themselves together and take care of the daily uh, life's routines of cooking and washing and taking care of the kids. And um, I tell you, it's a, it's a lot of strength to be able to do that after uh, uh, the loss that they have suffered. Yes, and, the human spirit is truly resilient. Yeah, but, but, but. Can we you know, talk this, a little? You know, the, it's, I'm sorry, Sarah. It, it says that war uh, touches more women because they are left behind to with poverty, with um, loss of family member, mm -hmm. uh, and they have to take care of the family on, uh, on their own. And, yeah. um, and their resilience is unbelievable. Yeah. yeah. Sarah, you had something to say? Well, I wanted to ask Mato, um, maybe we can talk a little of the specific um, families. Um, yeah, actually, Mato, oh. I wanted to ask you to please share with um, you know our donors and our listeners overall, how many um, families were you able to help with the amount raised for the Christmas Kindness Project as a, as a big picture? And then um, what were their needs and how did the Women's Support Center assist specifically? And then like Sarah was, had just started to say, you know, you shared with us stories throughout the whole uh, time as you were implementing uh, the support. Um, and one story resonated with us so much, you know, you were talking about, I think it was a family of 10 women and children, they were living out of a container during these harsh winter months. So share these stories with us. You know, how did you guys help them? What happened to them? Yeah, just take us there. Uh, you know, um, uh, whenever we we take the aid, the assistance, and take. we know we hear about the family that is in much need. We go and we contact them. And But uh, after that, families are moving a lot, moving around um, from place to place, finding better living uh, conditions, or they move back to Karabakh. 
So this particular family, I don't know what happened anymore, but I tell you, um, uh, families uh, immediately after the war, they came out to the border villages and uh, there was no room there. They went to another village or they had to rent an apartment and the, uh, the, the rent was very expensive. So they moved to another village. So they really were very taparagan, how you say that? Um, like nomads. Know, they were like nomads. And it's so difficult, you know, when you don't have yeah. your means uh, with you. Anyway, so this, um, I met a family um, and it was heartbreaking because um, she lost her husband. She lived with her mother and her three children. The brother was injured, uh, uh, but, but okay. Anyway, this family, um, they, were, they were from Hadrut, the region of Karabakh that is now taken over by the Azeris. And uh, people lost everything, their homes, everything that they had. But and, well, how did how did uh, Women's Support Center help? Yeah, with, so, with the finances. So of course, when we met this family, uh, we evaluated their needs. We um, I have to say that I combined your donation with some other donation, and we were able to give them a lot of assistance, not only clothes and school bags for the children but also uh, shoes, new shoes, brand new shoes, um, kitchen supplies. Mm -hmm. I mean, uh, uh, pots and pens and plates and uh, mugs and um, spatulas, uh, uh, electric uh, um, kettle, um, all the things that they were needed right away. And this particular family also uh, had difficulty to heat themselves during the winter. So we uh, promised them that we will buy them wood for the coming winter if they will not move to a better um, uh, housing. Um, the houses where they live, especially the ones in the villages, they're very in a precarious state. Uh, however, we also visited refugees in, in the Yerevan area that live in dormitories or schools. Uh, after February, uh, the hotels have to be had, had to be emptied out. So whatever refugees were left, they were placed in schools or dormitories, uh, and uh, they live communally, mm -hmm. so to speak. And um, that's great. Uh, so, so from from what I'm hearing, Maro, is um, you ladies really helped a lot with their immediate necessities of life clothing, right. blankets, heating, exactly. supplies, yeah. etc. And so how many overall, how many families did you help? You know, last time when I wrote to you, I said 102. Now yeah. we are at 120. 120. So that's yeah, great. 120 so families. And, and, and believe me, this is not a um, certain things we give standard, like blankets, we, uh -huh. we gave to everybody. But we also look at the specific needs of the family. There are families with newborns. And, you know, they need special attention and you want to a little bit uplift that family and give them a little bit something special for the for the newborn child uh, to make the environment a happier one. Right. Um, uh, there are kids that they start their first year in school and you want them to feel uh, and we give uh, coloring pencils and um, uh, school supplies. So uh, we, we, 
we really tried to, to reach out. We were fortunate to team up with the Médecins de France, Médecins du Monde, mm -hmm. uh, uh, Doctors of the World, and they also provide, um, if, the, if they go to the doctor and they need uh, medication, uh, they, they pay for that medication. But uh, you cannot imagine the, the happiness of these people when they see us coming with the bags and with you know diapers and uh, washing powder and soap. You, you just cannot imagine the, for, of all the, those problems that they have, it's just a relief on that. Yeah, that yeah. And, and it gives them strength because you know, they, they feel that they know that I'm from the diaspora and the fact that we're reaching out to them and we're supporting them, that gives them the hope that they're not alone, that, yeah. uh, that, that they, will be, they will overcome this. And this is very important. And sometimes our social workers go together uh, uh, there and some, some people, they need a little bit counseling, a little bit of uplifting it's not easy to go through all those hardships. So you're not only providing, from what I understand, so you're not only providing the needs, the necessities, that immediate needs that they need, uh, they have, you're also actually providing social and emotional support. Mm -hmm. uh, so that that's amazing, model. Thank Absolutely. you so much. Yeah. Absolutely, because, you know, uh, I, I tell you, it's, uh, sometimes um, situation occur in our life that we, slowly get into it we we're getting prepared uh we understand that difficult times will come but when a shock comes like this that from from overnight you lose everything and you might lose even a family member that's that's terrible yeah, yeah. so you know would it be fair to say that the Christmas Kindness Project and the, the amount that we raised really served its purpose? It got to where it needs to go. Absolutely, yeah. And uh, so thank you all who donated, who supported, because, you know, it just, it went a long way. And thank you, Maro, to you and your organization for implementing this, uh, this project. So, you know, um, Maro, how, how can people help support the Women's Support Center? Even though our project was completed successfully, there's always room for additional support. Yeah. And the need is always there and there's always, you know, new needs coming up, right? Yeah. So tell us, how can people help support the Women's Support Center? And Ani, if you can put up that slide, uh, that would be great. Sure, just give me one second. I'll pull it up while you guys are talking. Well, um, you know, now we see a, a connection between our work and the, and the refugees. I have to say that because of the war, uh, yeah, this is our center and, you know, the, yeah, wow. we go, yeah, we go there, you see the diapers and uh -huh. you see the name of the family on the, on the bottom right. Yes. Uh, yes. We, we prepare individuals uh, for individual families. And this is wow. uh, in the village, um, this is the Hadrut family I was telling you about. Surely you can uh, see they're all women and kids. Yep, yep, yep. They're all they're all women. I mean, we did not. We rarely saw men, to tell you yeah. frankly. These are the women. I'm sorry if you come back. This woman in the wheelchair. We uh, house them at our shelter. 
one of one of our shelter we emptied out we moved to the other shelter and we were able to house refugees um uh, during in september and october at our shelter yes uh that's great the, so besides the i know ani can you go back to uh, yeah so www.womensupportcenter.org this is your website but if someone wanted to make a donation model how would how would they do that to support you yeah um uh, unfortunately i'm not registered in the united states but i uh -huh. would be but uh, in order to have a tax deductible donation checks should be written to to Fencan foundation okay and in the memo to put wsc very good so you you can write a check to the to Fencan foundation t-u-f-e-n-k-i-a-n foundation at the memo section you can put WSC Women's Support Center and where should the check be mailed to model? It should be mailed at 20 Capitol C A P I T O L Capitol uh, Drive Munaki New Jersey M O O N I C H I E Munaki New Jersey 07094 Very good. And it's on our website um where it says get involved okay so you so uh, everyone can visit the website us. and it is actually Donation. on the website yeah uh under donate donate specifically yeah, let you know donate. how you yeah. can make your donations that's fabulous maro if you could use one word just one word to describe the work you and the women's center does and the impact it creates what would it be i would guess saving lives that's beautiful. Saving lives. Saving and lives, definitely. And, and in our work and with the refugees, um, you know, we all need a little bit of help and support in times of crisis and in times of need. Yes. And, 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 and when, you are, when you see that that family is lifted a little bit um, and it's given that hope, um, and Armenians, we are hard workers. And I'm sure things will lift up from the here on. Amen. So <laughs> basically know? what I would say is, you know, long live women. Yeah, because absolutely. they really absolutely. are on the front lines. Um, yeah. Maro, yeah. thank you so much for your time. Thank you so much for the... Thank you. Um, thank, you. thank you, all your donors. Thank you. Yes, thank you to all our donors. And thank you and all the women on your team for implementing this campaign. We truly appreciate it and best of luck to you. Thank um, you. Now, I want to actually go to our lovely nine-year-old lady, Angelina. Honey, what would your last message be to all the young girls your age who are listening to this podcast? What would you say to them? What, what would your final message be? I would say that helping and giving feels good and that they should try it too. Wow. That's amazing. Helping and giving feels good and they should try it too. Yes, young ladies, you should all try it. Absolutely. Um, Sarah, your last, your last, um, your last message, your words of my words, um, your words of I thoughts. Think, uh, yeah, maybe not as, uh, as, uh, as wonderful as Angelina's words there. <laughs> she was um, really 
eloquent and being brief and right to the message. But I'd like to just kind of share a little differently um, where you know, there's been a lot of neurologists, neuroscientists um, that are making all kinds of discoveries about the brain. And it looks like the parts of the brain that light up um, when you give is the same part of the brain um, that lights up when you indulge in your favorite dessert or when you're falling in love and, and all of that. So the connection of giving and um, falling in love is actually the same part of the brain, if, if, wow. if you can imagine. And um, there's so many wonderful charitable organizations supporting women and children, many focused on health and education and finance. Studies have indicated that poverty can destroy a relationship as well as a family. But educating women in health and economics empowers them and it elevates the entire family. Absolutely. Wow. Well said, Sarah. Well said. Well said. Well said. Uh, Sarah, and I want to tell you that uh, some, some women that we know that their husband have died and um, they married at a young age and they don't have any skills. We, we try to hook them up with um, vocational schools to learn a, a trade, to, to learn, a, to get a skill. Um, and, and also that helps them mentally also mm -hmm. um, in, in their lives. And absolutely that giving, um, is it, what is it? Is it cortisol? Mm -hmm. <laughs> is, it, is it something that a hormone that starts- It's like, it's and, like serotonin, you know? It's exactly. a happy hormone, it does. Yeah, exactly. It's, so it what, what I say is that, you know, remember there's no such thing as a small act of kindness. Um, every little act matters. Every little drop of water is what makes up the ocean. So again, every little act of kindness matters. It actually creates a ripple that has no end. It touches lives. It touches communities, society, and humanity, uh, humanity at large. So my message is keep giving, keep helping. You never know whose life you will touch, you'll be touching. You never know whose miracle you'll end up being. And um, you never know whose prayers you'll be answering. So with that said, thank you, ladies. It was a wonderful thank session. You. Keep thank doing you. the work. And um, for all of you who have any questions, if you have comments, if you have ideas, please visit us at www.theavantiwoman.com. And you can also reach out to us on our social media platforms, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, at The Avanti Woman. Thank you all. And may you all have a blessed day. And we'll see you soon next time. Thank, Thank you. you. Bye.